So it's kind of looking at the period as a whole and seeing the period change. So if you're noticing the period gets heavier, the period gets lighter, you're skipping periods, or the PMS is getting more intense. These are all possibilities in perimenopause because what ends up often happening to us is as our hormones are trying to just kind of give their last, you know, hurrahs, we get a lot of roller coaster of estrogen. So breast tenderness, moodiness, crying at the drop of the hat, claws coming out, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't even say that. You know, the loss of filter, all of those things happen as that estrogen is going like this. And then unfortunately, our progesterone will tend to decline over time because most of us are stressed out. And cortisol and preserving how much cortisol we're releasing in any given moment in response to life stressors, it's a big deal. Do you want to wake up feeling like you're stepping into who you're meant to be? Into the best possible version of you? What if I told you that the key to your best life, health, and happiness are all around you? You just have to find what works for you. I'm Hope Pedraza, and I believe that there isn't just one way to live a healthy and meaningful life, and that all you need is a little inspiration to make changes that last from the inside out. Each week, I'll be sharing tangible tips and inspirational interviews to help you on your journey. These are the steps to take to improve your life and live with purpose. This is Hopeful and Wholesome. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the show. So, of course, today I need to make recordings. I have lost my voice, but luckily in this episode, I do have voice. <laughs> but today on this show, I have on Dr. Janine Krauss. And Dr. Krauss is a naturopathic doctor and acupuncturist and the host of the Health Fix podcast, which you can find my interview with her on if you go check that out anywhere you get your podcast. She specializes in helping active perimenopausal women get a solid night's sleep so they have limitless energy for their workouts and to-do lists. And that's exactly what we talk about today. We are talking all about perimenopause, that state that's not quite premenopause, not quite menopause, but it's this state where honestly, we really don't talk a lot about. And there's a lot of things that happen in your body, which Dr. Krauss really gets into in this episode, talking about all the things that perimenopausal women deal with, the things that we don't know about in this period of our life, and really just kind of about hormonal imbalances in general and the importance of heart rate variability as we go into perimenopause, which is something really cool that she talks about. So I know y'all are going to get a lot out of this episode. So let's jump in. Okay, y'all, let's jump in. I'm here with Dr. Janine Krauss, and we are talking really all things perimenopause. And I was just telling her before we started, I really like that I'm having this conversation now because I know if you listen to one of the last couple episodes, we had our like menopause and post-menopause discussion. So I think this basically catches everybody else who's listening who isn't that isn't in that crowd. So I'm excited to bring this conversation and kind of explain this stage of life, if you will. So thanks so much for joining today, Dr. Janine. No problem. Thanks for having me on, Hope. Yeah. So let's start with the basics because I always think that's important because like I said on the, the menopause episode, like I feel like the majority of women really don't know. Like We just don't understand what our hormones do and are and all the stages. So what is perimenopause? So perimenopause is that that no man's land per se or no woman's land <laughs> as we're heading up to the period stopping fully since probably your last guest was like, we consider menopause once we've not had a period for years. So now I'm talking about those 10 possible years up to when that happens. And unfortunately, a lot of people aren't talking about the fact mm -hmm. that we can start having symptoms 10 years mm -hmm. 
before the period actually goes away. And for a yep. lot of people, that's like, oh my gosh, 10 years. Yep. <laughs> I'm, yep. Sure, I'm sure some folks might have even mentioned this to you about the different symptoms they have based in the programs that you're you're looking at. So of course, I can, I can go into symptoms if you want me to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. So some of the perimenopausal symptoms can look almost like menopausal symptoms. Sometimes you can have these weird hot flashes on and off. A lot of ladies will have them right around their period or during their period or the day right before. Now that can be a big deal. Night sweats too can happen as well. And then we'll also have insomnia. That tends to be one of the big things that I think for a lot of people start getting us into that fatigue state. Mm-hmm. So by the time we get to menopause, we're like, oh my gosh, what mm-hmm. is going on? Mm-hmm. And you know, those kind of things can be signs, but also mood swings. So it's kind of looking at the period as a whole and seeing the period change. So if you're noticing the period gets heavier, the period gets lighter, you're skipping periods, or the PMS is getting more intense. Mm-hmm. These are all possibilities in perimenopause because what ends up often happening to us is as our hormones are trying to just kind of give their last, you know, hurrahs, we get a lot of roller coaster of estrogen. Mm-hmm. So breast tenderness, moodiness, crying at the drop of the hat, claws coming out, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry to say <laughs> that. You know, the loss of filter, yes. all of those things happen as, as that estrogen is going like this. And then unfortunately, our progesterone will tend to decline over time because most of us are stressed out. Mm-hmm. And cortisol and preserving how much cortisol we're releasing in any given moment in response to life stressors, mm-hmm. it's a big deal. And that's why I typically, as I'm, I'm working with folks who are either active or are athletes or weekend warriors, we're always talking about how to conserve the cortisol so that you can crush workouts and things, but you can also have enough energy right. to get through the rest of the day and take care of the kids and, and make dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You just don't want to drive yourself to burnout. Like that's, it's easy to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you know, being a mom, I'm a dog mom, but I, I feel like also part of what's happening in, in our age ranges, we're somewhat smushed in between taking care of kids and, and, and parents. And so yeah. I have a father who's elderly. And so while I don't have kids, I have patients who I would definitely categorize as my big <laughs> category of, of my family. Yeah. But I also have my dad. And so it's an interesting, you know, conundrum per se, or, or just interesting trying to juggle life. Yeah. yeah. Everything. For sure. Yeah. Well, and it's trying to balance like taking care of you and taking care of everybody else kind of thing. It's being able to balance that. Well, and you mentioned insomnia, and that's a big one that women in this stage deal with. So what is, and and that was, we talked a little bit about this in terms of like menopause and post-menopause, but I feel like this is something like, kind of like you were saying, we don't really talk about it a whole lot. So what are some things you see people are missing Mm -hmm. when it comes to insomnia and just having all of those sleep issues and this kind of like how you said that no man's land kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a couple different things because some women will notice that they have insomnia right like around the period. Mm -hmm. And more often than not, when we investigate that a little bit further, and and by all means, I always tell folks, test don't guess because you could be throwing dollars and dollars at this with supplements and and not getting any change or or working with, with dietary stuff and getting frustrated. But most of the time when you're looking at around the period, it's magnesium and vitamin B6 that are fluxing. Mm. And you don't tend to see that as much in the menopausal group in terms of a flux. Definitely there's need, but that's one of the differences. The other difference is with us perimenopausal ladies, it's more of a deficiency of progesterone that keeps us from sleeping or too high of cortisol. Mm. And, and a lot of times if there's night sweats involved or there's anxiety, like waking up in a panic, in like 3am always, mm-hmm. three, four, five, 
that's often cortisol spiking too yeah. early. Whereas in the menopausal stage of things, it's when the estrogen and in particular estradiol is really depleted. Mm. So a lot of times us ladies in the perimenopausal phase are looking at progesterone, magnesium, B6. Another really popular deficiency is tyrosine. And so if there's any trouble getting enough protein and getting in enough of the neurochemicals, and, and I said tyrosine, I'm, that's the precursor to dopamine, folks. Mm-hmm. Catch me. <laughs> Tryptophan is where I was going here. Um, and, and 5-HTP is the precursor. Yeah. Sometimes we can supplement with 5-HTP and that can yeah. really help. But that would be the difference because we have a little bit, we haven't completely exhausted our hormones. And really the goal is during the perimenopausal phase is to try to preserve your hormones yeah. as much as you can. Yeah. Obviously your ovaries are going to end up declining no matter what, but you can preserve your adrenal glands. Yeah. And those are what produce your hormones after you get adrenal yeah. glands. Yeah. And that's important. And, and like you said, I mean, it's, it's so easy to get to that burnout phase. Mm-hmm. And when we're trying to like preserve, you know, estrogen, progesterone, all this. So what are some other ways, because it is easy to like really wear out your, just period, not even perimenopause, but it's really easy to wear out your adrenals just in general. So mm-hmm. what do you see, what are some other ways we can kind of preserve? Cause we were talking a little bit before we started about like talking about workouts and heart rate variability. So how can we kind of use that piece to protect our adrenals? And like you're saying before, like not using our workouts as a way to just drain ourselves even more. Yeah. So a common phenomenon as we get older and weight starts to go up, we think like, okay, we got to start doing harder workouts, mm-hmm. right? We're wimping out. We got to do harder things and, <laughs> and we just got to push harder and, and don't give up. That can get you so far yep. <laughs> and then it crashes. Yep. So really where I'm speaking from is where I tanked myself. I was in the peak of doing CrossFit and thinking I was all cool and, you know, <laughs> started to realize I couldn't keep up anymore and was super tired and was gaining weight. And I was like, I'm burning. I swear like a thousand calories a day. Why right. am I putting weight on? Like, what's up? Oh, I must have to do two days. <laughs> you know, cut your calories more and do two days. That's smart. <laughs> but what I didn't pay attention to, and I found being like a huge thing was looking at my heart rate because as time goes on and your body becomes more stressed over like a consistent period of time, you'll start to see your heart rate go up. And in particular, you know, your heart rate in the morning when you're, you're resting heart rate, when you wake up and you look at it. Now, I'm not a huge fan of having people wear all their devices all the time because, I mean, those are EMFs that you can use them for a time frame and then learn kind of what's going on. I use something called a Morpheus. It's a watch that basically will measure your heart rate variability in the morning and can measure your heart rate during workouts and then it's off. You're hmm. done. That way, you're not getting the higher levels of EMFs and things of that nature. Plus, what I found with the heart rate is a lot of us ladies, unfortunately, I mean, heart disease, number one killer of women. Yeah. As we, and what I started noticing is a lot of my patients will, will be like, yeah, I can feel my heart racing a little bit, mm-hmm. almost like palpitations, but it's more racy. Right. And we started looking in and going, all right, what's stressing you out? Sometimes it's food. Some certain combinations of food will increase the heart rate. Sometimes it's life stress, certain energy vampires, if you will, those kind of things. And so I started having people pay a little more attention to their heart rate. And whether they had like an Apple watch on just because that was their thing, or old school, you know, check your heart rate when you feel stressed and see where it's at. And we found that it just kept going up and up for a lot of people. Then I had some folks look at their heart rate during workouts and after workouts. And what we found is a lot of people, including myself, we get done with the workout. And then we're like, do spy, I'm uh-huh, out, you know, gonna uh-huh. go to life. And there's no shutdown of the yeah. cortisol. So the body yeah. thinks you're still, still going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started to realize, you know what, heart rate's a big deal. 
as you head into perimenopause and beyond and paying attention. I mean, you don't have to be neurotic, just get the sense of, of your body. And after workouts, laying down, put your legs up five minutes and just tell the body like, we're done. Slow down. Mm. And yeah, like workouts done, don't need to push the board mm-hmm. home. I've even had people do it as their nighttime routine to just try to see if that helps with sleep too. Yeah. It's been something really useful. Have you done anything like that with with shutting off cortisol or working on breathing or things like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. The breath work for me, but I like because there's I don't know if you're big into yoga, but there's like the legs up the wall pose. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what you're talking about. I know we've, you know, we've used that before where it, it's kind of, you know, just kind of that like soothing kind of pose and kind of calms things down. So it makes total sense to use that as a way to like like a shutoff valve, like, okay, this is your cue to like shut things down and calm things down. So I love that. Yeah. I mean, I wish like, you know, a lot of us don't work in positions where we could just stop, put our legs up. Right. And on. right. But if you do work in a situation where you can close your door in your, in your office. Totally. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's huge to really pay attention a little bit yeah. more to what the, the body's doing, what the heart rate yeah. is doing. Yeah. Now it is popular these days with different devices like the whoop, and the aura ring the aura, and looking yeah. at readiness scores. Mm-hmm. But what I find with these readiness scores is that a lot of them are inaccurate and people are taking that readiness score as like gold as to what oh, they yeah. do yeah. based on their day. Right. And even, I don't know if you found some of your clients telling you like, man, I don't think these things are accurate. Have you heard that? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. What I've been learning and just kind of gleaning over time through through a couple of different folks who are super into research and HRV is that these devices like the Apple watches and the different like the Oura Ring, things that are like continuous monitors, they're like taking little snippets yeah. of HRV throughout the day. Mm. And HRV should really be like measured while you're resting gotcha. in the morning before you do anything. And so a lot of us are getting these snippets of what the day looks like. And HRV really, for those of you guys who are, are not up on HRV, it's heart rate variability. And it's really telling us how much time we're spending in parasympathetic mode. So this is your chill mode. Mm-hmm. And, and the other side of the mode is sympathetic, which is right. our flight mode. Right. So if we find that we do have lower readiness scores or lower HRV scores, independent of what device you have, you're right. going to know like, ooh, I am definitely in need, of, in need of some chill. Yeah. But some of the devices like the Morpheus app that I talked about earlier, those measure in the morning so that you get a really mm. good sense of, okay, what's going on as a trend right. in the moment. In the moment, yeah. If it's constantly going up, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. But if it's like going down and then staying down, now there's something you're doing within your habits. That, that right, right. So really all of this geeky talk is me helping folks to get into their bodies and see the how much parasympathetic yeah. and chill mode they're in. Yeah. That's what's going to prevent you from having crazy symptoms as you start to head into menopause. Right. And I think the, the other problem is, I know because I'm the same as you, I, I went through that whole phase where it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm not like getting the results. I want, let's just work yeah. out for five hours instead of two, you know, it's like so dumb. But I think the other part is we're so, so I feel like when like the, the wearable stuff first started coming out, it's like, Oh, how high can we get our heart rate? Like how far, how long can you stay in that? So it's like all about how high you can get your heart rate and how long you can stay there. Cause you know, there's places like, you know, some fitness places that you have, you know, they track your heart rate and you try to stay in this particular zone for a certain amount of time. But I feel like we're so ingrained in that part where it's not even like a conversation of how long can we keep our heart rate low? You know what I mean? Like, it's like the opposite. It's true. It's yeah. true. It definitely. I mean, I definitely was one of those people where I would look to see how fast I hit. Oh, yeah. Totally. I'm like, oh, look at this. This is so cool. <laughs> it's so crazy. I can run line. It's amazing. I could have a heart attack at any moment. Like, <laughs> awesome. Oh, I know. Look, I stayed in it for five minutes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
so true. It's so true. And really, you know, one of the big things that, you know, a lot of people think about, like, how long should you stay in these red line zones Mm -hmm. and things of that nature? It's more about how can you get yourself up and then get your heart rate back Mm -hmm. down? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we're not talking about this. I agree. I agree. And and this is where I think working out with it translates to life. And I I like to have that parallel between Mm -hmm. the two because I think a lot of people when they get stressed, the heart rate goes up and then it mm-hmm. stays. Mm-hmm. This is where we can use fitness to train yep. us to yep. be able to get the heart rate For back sure. Down. Well, and that's why I love, you know, I do a lot of like breath work and nervous system regulation stuff with my clients. And that's really the whole point. It's like, you know, you're going to get dysregulated, like we're human, so it's going to happen, but it's how quick can you get yourself back down out of that fight or flight state? It's just like being able to regulate yourself again. So when you're, when you're talking with women who are in perimenopause, so I guess, I guess what is like the big reason we're doing this? Like we're looking at perimenopause, like how does your heart rate change as you kind of go into that stage of life? And what are things we, are there like specific like numbers we should be looking for or aiming for like kind of more logistics with that? Yeah, no, it's a perfect question. Any heart rate that is baseline under 70 is considered a good cardiovascular mm. count, meaning that you're setting yourself up for having a great ability to overcome stress, but also you're going to keep your heart rate and your blood pressure down over Mm -hmm. time if you can control that heart rate. And of course, with women being one of the things that I see as we head through perimenopause into menopause is those blood pressures start to really go up. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. And we're working on the elasticity of the arteries by being able to keep that heart rate down because the more that that the heart's pumping, guys, this is really a possibility of hardening the arteries faster. Right. So 70 and below is considered excellent. Okay. If we get something into the 70 to 80 range, that's good too. But once we start getting over 80, 90, and even into the hundreds, which not as many people end up in the hundreds range unless they're quite adrenally fatigued. And we can talk about different variances here too, because sometimes we'll see something completely off the charts where someone who has hypothyroidism will have a heart rate of 39. We'll have oh, wow. a heart rate of 40 and that's their baseline. Yeah. And so now what we're seeing is we have to watch more of how can they get the heart rate up and back mm-hmm. down within within a decent, you know, range there. Mm-hmm. So there are some caveats. So if any of you are listening going, well, you know, I have this type of heart rate. Yes, it, it could be hypothyroid type of situation. But if the heart rate is over 80 on a regular basis and you are, let's say, anywhere between 35, 45, so somewhere in that range. It's not good. You want to get it down, you know, and, and these are the ages like between 30 and 40, 35 to 45. Those are kind of the different ranges, if you will, of where perimenopause kind of really does mm-hmm. kind of set in. Have I seen it sooner? Yeah. Late twenties. even. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. You know, and it seems to be correlated with life trauma, yeah. things of that nature, mm-hmm. also correlated with Epstein-Barr virus, mm-hmm. chronic viruses, mold, Lyme, mm-hmm. those kind of things too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, does it happen? Absolutely. Is it an outlier? Yes. Most of us, we are probably somewhere in that perimenopausal range, somewhere around yeah. 35. Yeah. Yeah. Just start paying attention that time. Well, speaking of like just imbalances in general, because I mean, that's crazy. I've never heard, I haven't heard of anyone starting that soon. And I don't doubt it for a second. I mean, you've got, you know, little girls starting their periods at like eight years old, which is insane. So, I mean, I, I don't doubt that at all. So what do you, I guess, what are your thoughts as a naturopath and what are your thoughts on why there are so many women who do struggle with 
the imbalances and kind of these crazy hormonal things that are happening? Definitely stress is number one. Mm -hmm. I mean, we live in a crazy society as it is. But then on top of this, we're not taught how to manage any of it. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yes. This should be preschool. Yes. Where we're learning yoga, which I I know there's some schools that are doing it. So my son does it at his school. It's so awesome. (laughs) It's so great. It's huge. It's yeah. huge. So unfortunately, that's kind of some of where it's coming from. Yeah. And we're not we're not able to deal with some of the the past traumas we have, whether they're big traumas or little traumas. I right. mean, I work with things in my, in my own world of, of things my parents said to me, and sure. I hung up on it. You know, so sure. those are my traumas, and other people might have really significant traumas, but they do affect how much you know stress ha- happens and like what someone says to you in a day and how you how you interpret that. So there's that side of things. Now we also have environmental things that are really a factor. Food quality is huge. Mm-hmm. I do believe if you can clean up your diet, meaning eating things closest to nature, trying to shoot for that, watch the dirty dozen list of what has the most pesticides, mm-hmm. you know, really trying to eat in a wholesome manner, that's going to go so far because all of the plastics involved in, you know, your lean cuisines and all those different processed foods and things and, and eating out too, which mm-hmm. most restaurants, it's, it's not cost effective for them to do scratch cooking and whole foods cooking. And there are some that are out there and you know what, it's great, but they still have some areas where there's some issues. The other big thing kind of related to food is our, our oils. And that's a huge problem. And I've really started to hone in on it in the last couple of years because I'm like, there's a missing link here mm-hmm. and soybean oil, canola oil, even down to olive oil now, because unfortunately they're blends. You have to almost go to the source of where they're going to, you know, go to Italy, right. go to Greece, it's the real thing. <laughs> eat your real thing, bring it back in a huge mm-hmm. part because at least you know that it came out pure. I mean, right. hopefully, if you can watch them make it, that's the way to do it, mm-hmm. but or, or press it. But that's where we're also having some really big shifts because all of those seed oils boost up our omega sixes. Mm-hmm. And for those of you guys who are listening, omega sixes and omega threes are kind of like our main balancing ones. We have omega nines, which would be in things you know, like olive oil and walnut, things of that nature. But what happens is we end up with some really crazy shifts between these. And more often than not, we're not high enough in the omega-3. We're too high in the omega-6 and we end up with inflammation. That's what right. omega-6 is. Mm-hmm. There's something called arachidonic acid that, that's in that category. And if you're eating more nuts and seeds and sprouted nuts and seeds, walnuts, I had mentioned, or omegas, they're great in omega-6. I believe I kind of said omega-9 at the end of that. Omega-9 for all of guys. But it's a really a fat thing. And right. with all the processed foods, expeller pressed sunflower, expeller pressed safflower, they were like touted as being healthy for a minute. And then palm was healthy for a minute. And then coconut was healthy for a minute. Mm. Fortunately, if they have to heat it up and make a chip out of it, yeah. I mean, it's fried. It's right, right. So what do you recommend for the best oils? What should people be looking for? At this stage of the game, if you can't get an olive oil, like made in front of you, which very few of us can. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Avocado oil does seem to be the most stable because of high heat. And I've tried with coconut and different ones and checked my cholesterol before and after. My cholesterol went up with Mm. with coconut oil and it was unrefined. Mm -hmm. We did a thing when I lived in Colorado with all of us docs and 50% of us really, our cholesterol did go up. So I do think there's a crazy component there. Yeah, yeah. So... It is something to think about. So I'm pretty heavy on the avocado oil and not using many oils to cook. I will use broth to Mm -hmm. cook instead, things of that Mm -hmm. nature, water even. Right. 
and just watching it because I think that overall, when I have been able to help people get their cholesterol levels down, it's really when we've taken out the oils. Yeah. Like yeah. Minimum that makes sense. And, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Makes and a higher sense. quality avocado oil. Yeah. Unfortunately, the ones at the store, there's so many blends there too. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, no, it's very true. Well, and so when we're looking at the oils, is it that's a great takeaway with that. What are some other things when we're in going into this perimenopause? Because you mentioned before talking about like, you know, protein and some other things. Are, are there any other like foods, like nutritional sources that you recommend of things to kind of like hone in on in this period of life? Yeah. Yeah. So part of me, I, I do a lot of Chinese medicine in my practice. Part of me loves Love it. Like, the whole yes. concept of Love it. whole foods, Chinese medicine, whole foods cooking. And so sesame seeds have progesterone you know, boosting capabilities. So getting just straight up sesame seeds, grinding them yourself. And, you know, tahini, it depends on sourcing. Tahini is ground sesame seeds. And of course, there's sesame oil in there. But the the thing is, is you want to watch where it's coming. So a lot of times, folks, is I will just use a coffee grinder and grind up my own seeds and make my own tahini, throw it into my own hummus, things of that nature. Sunflower seeds are also a progesterone booster. And so I will pair those two together a lot. And maybe some folks have heard about seed cycling. Yeah, for I was going to ask you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for regulating hormones. And and I will do it. I will have ladies kind of in the first half of their cycle, look at having ground chia flax or pumpkin. And then at the second half, you're looking at, so first half of the cycle, chia flax, pumpkin, second half of the cycle, doing more of the sunflower and sesame seed and using it as sprinkles on top of, of your meals or, or however it works. And And really it's two tablespoons a day depending on what category you're in mm-hmm. based on, on your period. And so old school seed cycling really does work. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's a hippie thing. Doesn't really work. You know, honestly, I've had people regulate their periods just doing that. Yeah. Not having to add anything else like an yeah. evening primrose oil or something of that nature yep. to help boost progesterone. So those would be kind of my food things. There are certain foods based on what someone's experiencing, like hot flashes and night sweats, if you are starting to get them, Asian pears and pomegranate can be incredibly helpful for that. They're cooling, cucumber, celery, also things in, in that department. But the, the Chinese have used pomegranate and Asian pears for years mm-hmm. for helping with regulating periods yeah. and helping with hot flashes. So those are some of the specifics. Yeah. And those like protein is always going to be a huge factor. And whether you're vegan, whether you're vegetarian, whatever, I mean, you're looking at sprouted, you know, nuts and seeds go after those. And if you're not, and you're, you do eat meat, grass-fed, grass-finished beef and poultry that's been pasture-raised and eggs that are pasture-raised as well. The more you can get them eating whole foods, right. the more you're going to get the whole right. food benefit. Back. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's chain of chain of how the food goes yep. down. Really the yep. food chain is important. Right. So that's kind of where I look at it, you know, in terms of overall protein needs for someone, it does range. I do kind of look at someone's weight individually mm-hmm. as to where someone should be. I know some folks are very like 25 grams per meal, no matter mm-hmm. what. Mm-hmm. It fluxes on how you can digest foods. Right. Mean, that is a huge other factor that, yeah. that I definitely didn't even talk about yet is your digestive system does make a huge difference. And it's yeah. often why the weight's going up too. And the diet and, and the stress, you know, it's all kind of combined. Mm-hmm. But definitely if you're not digesting foods, well, don't overload yourself with proteins. Start with your microbiome first. Right. That's a good tip. Yeah, that's a good tip. I always say the same thing about like when people are increasing their fiber intakes, I talk a lot about fiber. It's like, don't throw all the fiber you can at your body at one time, like you're going to regret it. So it's the same thing with protein, like your body still has to break it down. So yeah. Yeah. Baby steps. Mm -hmm. steps. 
and mm-hmm. enzymes. You know, yeah. I am in perimenopause, ladies and, and beyond. I really am a, a fan of enzymes. I'm not yeah. a huge fan of like here take 85 supplements, but right. I am with enzymes. I do think that most of us we underestimate the amount of stress impact on the gut and totally. what it does and how it shuts down our. Yep, yep, for sure. Well, and like just how much energy it really does require to break down your food. Like, I mean, it requires energy and it requires, yeah. So I, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. I find that, that that can make a huge difference for people. Just that by itself can make a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I've seen a lot of ladies where like their weight, they're struggling with their weight and then they get the enzymes and they're like, oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, your body just literally couldn't break it down. You just need some help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So shifting gears here a little bit, I want to kind of go backwards and just kind of talk a little bit about how you got into the, as a naturopathic doctor and acupuncturist, like how you kind of ended up in this path. So I actually ended up as an acupuncturist and a naturopath because when I was 15, my mom was going through cancer and I just wanted my driver's permit. And I literally was like, mom, take me all, you know, can I take you to all your appointments? I'll just go. And I, I just loved, I fell in love with her Chinese doc. Like he was the coolest dude ever. And I would see her go in. I mean, she was passionate, she was crap. And like, she'd walk out like floating. And I was like, what is this witchy stuff? <laughs> I need to know about it. And so I just followed her around to all of her appointments and got to know our naturopaths and was like, you know what? They have so many tools in their toolbox. Because I would also go to the conventional doc visits and be like, that's all you got? What else you got? And, and I was like, wow, this is really impressive. So I went through all that, went, you know, the whole nine yards. And then about eight years ago, I started to really hit the wall with workouts and, and life and anxiety and, and whatnot. So I was like, okay, something's up. And like, I couldn't get through workouts. I found myself like paralyzed on the floor of the parking garage of my office and anxiety because I was just like, I can't function. And I knew that like something's wrong. And so I started doing my testing on myself and realizing that, oh, wow, even with all the knowledge base I had about life and health and things of that nature, I still even let myself Oh, and most of my problem was stress management. I wasn't, you know, I was eating clean. Obviously, I was trying to work out, but the bottom line was I was vampiring. I wouldn't sleep at night. I'd wake up thinking about patients, writing protocols, you know, just trying to to be all I could for everyone else. And unfortunately, that took my health down. And I think for women, you know, that's that's our thing. You know, I have my patients as my family. And yeah. for women, you know, that have a family and, and kids, and you're doing everything for everyone else. It's our yeah. nature. Yep. And it's real easy to lose sight of, you know, taking care of yourself. Totally. And then that's, I, I literally eight years ago did that to myself. And then if, you know, you thought I had it all together and then I found myself five years ago, same thing, repeated mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So never again. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> that, I mean, sometimes it takes the same lesson twice to like really get into your head. So I, I've, you know, I've been there. So I, I totally, I feel like that's how, I feel like that's how a lot of us and the kind of the holistic wellness space kind of ended up where we are because I, you know, I have similar things that happen in mind too. It's like you do it to yourself and you realize, I think you also realize too, like you were talking about taking care of your dad. My dad was really sick for a long time and he passed away from complications of muscular dystrophy. And I think you you too, you see like family members or, or friends or loved ones, whatever. And you realize like literally your health is all that you have. And then, you know, when you go through yourself, like you're talking about you're dealing with your stress and your anxiety, it's like you realize it's this is all I have is my health and this body that you know what I mean it, it, you, you have to take charge yeah yeah you got to own it and, and really look at it for what it is and you can be taking supplements you can be eating clean and, and that's what I you know really want folks to hear like yes I mentioned those things to help if you're not doing that 
but you can be working out, you can be, you know, eating clean, doing all the things. But if you don't take care of the stress, totally, it's yep, wash. Yep. And that was me. I mean, I was, ta- I was you know, taking all the supplements, tracking all the food things and all the stuff. And it was like, my body was like, I was still getting sick all the time. I was getting injured running all the time. I mean, you name it. It was just like, clearly there's like a missing piece here. For, and that was me too. It was the stress management piece. I was just blowing and going 85,000 miles an hour and never stopping to like check in with myself and, or take care of my mental health. You know, it's just, it's all, yeah. You can't have one without the other. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. And yeah. likely why you're, you know, working in the breathwork yeah. and with this why I, you know, I love the concept of yoga and I do certain things, but I'm super hyper. So <laughs> I have to give my rein myself in with a hurry, you know, yes, like I feel for you. those of you who are listening, I mean, you got to find your right group. Yep. And sometimes just the balance between what, what hope does and what mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. Know, yeah. You, know, you got to find what works for you. Mm-hmm. So I do have one more question I want to ask you that I like to ask everybody, but before I ask that, where can people find out more about you working with you, what you do and everything that you're about? Sure. So head over to drjkrausnd.com. That's where you can get the best like portrait of what I do. I have group programs. I also see patients in Washington State. And so if you want to see me in person, I'm doing once a month kind of VIP check-ins on, on cool. folks. And so I do have a concierge type of program as well. If folks want a little bit more one-on-one with me or want to work through certain things and have a, a higher touch type of program, you can find that out at drjkrausnd.com too. Then of course, I have a podcast as well, where Hope and I have chatted as well. That's called the Health Fix Podcast. So those are the places, the main places. And if you want to check me out on IG and see what life's like on a daily basis, that's Dr. Janine, J-A-N-N-I-N-E, and then Krause, K-R-A-U-S-E. That's where you'll find me. Yes. And definitely check out her podcast because she's got like 300 something episodes, which is so many episodes for y'all to go through and like learn. And it's, yeah, it's great. It's great. Okay, of course, I'll put all the links to that in the show notes for y'all. But last question that Mm -hmm. I'd like to ask everybody, what do you think is the most important thing you can do to live with purpose? Oh, man. You know what? Probably the most important thing is to identify first your purpose of like who you want to become and start living as the person you want to become. Because I think so many of us think about it but we don't live in it every single day. So mm-hmm. I think yeah, you identify exactly who you want to become and start practicing that person. Every I love day. it. I love it. I love it. Perfect. Thank you so much, Dr. Jeannie. This is awesome and super informative per usual. So I appreciate all the insight and helping all our perimenopause women out there kind of navigate <laughs> this no man's land. <laughs> this is great. Thanks, Hope. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Hopeful and Wholesome, y'all. If you found value in this week's episode, please subscribe on iTunes wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review to let me know what you thought. I'd love to know what you find useful in these episodes so I know how I can provide the most value I can to my listeners. And if you have topics that you want to know more about, I'd love to hear those as well. So shoot me a message on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. It's at the Hope Pedraza or visit my website, hopefulandwholesome.com. Thanks, y'all.